Hey, welcome to the Story Studio Podcast. If you're on the YouTube version, you got a few seconds of Dave asking if we're recording or being on the air. Sean confirming it. It was great. There was some administration in there. Um, today, Today's episode brought to you by Dave. This is a rogue show for, for those of you who know, which is basically Neve and Jen. Um, uh-oh, Neve's like, what's going on right now? We're like we off the rails. About this. Yeah, yeah, uh-oh. because we want to we want um, to. They're do, thinking on their own. Look well, out. <laughs> well, Dave didn't want to do a worst show ever. Wait a minute. There's no show notes for this. <laughs> Dave didn't want to do a worse show ever because, you know, his family's home. And he's like, well, don't you guys have anything to talk about? We're like, are you new on worst show ever? No, that's not what it's about. Um, Sean proposed talking. Dave proposed we talk about real problems. We decided that wasn't going to be any good. We need to talk about trivial problems. So here we are doing a bonus episode of Story Studio Podcast, which will air out of order on the topic. Um, first things we ever wrote and sort of what we learned and what we would do different you know, retrospective, right? They put it in terms of uh, virginity, though, because he was like to mix it all sexy. Only after the fact, though, didn't he? I mean, he's slipping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he that's is. what she said. Um, are, are we are we are we rolling right into the um, to the topic? Or well, if you think you have two something cools, uh, uh, or something cool would be a little out of date. Well, it's only a few. Well, weeks, this is so. going to be a short episode, so we don't necessarily yeah, need to do something cool for this one. All right, well, then skip to something cool. There you go. Look how efficient we are. <laughs> Pretty soon we're just going to – I can just see the audience like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yep, skip it, skip it. <laughs> and so we'll just skip the whole show. What just do you guys the, think? Yeah. <laughs> Dave's that been is trying to get us to do. skip the show like four years now. Johnny went through a phase also where he wanted to skip the show. Although I think Johnny's back to thinking the show is going to be awesome. I'm pretty, much, I'm pretty much back, yeah, and I really enjoy having it planned out for us. You know, Neve and Jen have been doing the organizi- organizing for us. And it's it's nice. Just come on yeah, and talk about the really topic. The, it really is the best. Thank you both. Mm-hmm. Uh, air. So, yeah. So Dave, do you want to start? This is your your topic because actually, I would say that you've been writing the longest. Because I mean, I'm sure Johnny wrote in high school, but it was all to give valedictoriany stuff, and you were probably writing to like you know talking about how you wanted to have sex with your friends' moms or something. I don't know. I can't imagine what you wrote. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, I was writing about your mom even I, then. I'm sure. Even but, before but, he knew her. He was describing yeah. her at a vision. Well, I was fantasizing about my ideal woman. <laughs> it was one of those visions where Sean's mom is like with a in a giant clam with like her hair <laughs> flowing behind her. She was wearing a muumuu. She dressed like she was kidding. Her house was full of everything she'd ever known. Oh, you should do a hard-boiled novel that way, where Sean's mom is the femme fatale who comes into the detective's office. <laughs> I'd read the fuck out of that. Um, she she had the detective's office, and then seriously, I came. Seriously, Dave, you were like... She had were... a giant metal donkey with her. <laughs> she tripped over the pizza boxes. No, no, no. The donkey wasn't metal. He was fur. Just his asshole was, was metal. <laughs> he had a, she had a giant fur donkey with an asshole like a vice. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, Dave, you were writing um, stories in high school and you were doing it for attention early on, right? Like that was how. He's doing it for attention. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> look, at, I was trying to avoid. I, actually, it was my escape. Uh, and then, uh, well, like when I was a kid, I wrote stories like ghost stories and like a superhero, like fan fiction before fan fiction was a thing. Uh, <clears throat> but the first story I remember writing was, oh my God, so cliche. It's probably been done a billion times, but I thought... Wait, it was like, give us background. How old are you? Uh, like ninth grade, maybe. 
maybe so 10. this is okay so this is like a serious story this isn't like writing a spider-man story when you're seven this is like a right yeah this is the 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 first like ongoing it's not the first thing i wrote it's the first story like that somebody else read i guess okay, okay. so um and did they read your rough draft or did you like write it and then edit oh, i was it writing and... in class when i should have been working and i would just oh, okay. pass it to this dude right, next right, to right. me <laughs> okay that's awesome as i was writing like hot off the press um I'll also, Marie has liked to point out that fanfic has been a thing since the Renaissance, and you're not that old, Dave. I am that old, thank you. <laughs> Don't assume my age. Can you imagine that porny Michelangelo fanfiction? Oh, I bet there was a ton of it. So, I had this genius idea, and I feel like a movie was done, like, either after the fact, maybe even before, and I just didn't know. But it was about... um a guy named Stan. Yeah. Some <laughs> some kid that like found some shades. Oh, oh, oh you wrote oh, they live. Oh, oh, oh damn it. There no, Did no, it no, include the me. line I came here to <laughs> chew bubblegum and kick ass? Kick ass. <laughs> and I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> uh so <clears throat> about this kid that found these shades. And when he put them on, he like saw through like some serial killer's eyes and he saw like murders happening and obviously he was eventually going to be a victim. Isn't that and... what happens when you close your eyes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I remember writing and I was writing like to be continued, like even like at the end of like every couple pages I would get done, I'd be to be continued. And like uh, the, the, the dude next to me, who was like nothing at all like me, he was like, like this cool kid and shit. And so he just, I was surprised he even wanted to see what I was writing. So he liked it. And I was like, oh, cool. So I like two weeks, like every day I'd come to class, he'd be like, you got another one? You got another one? And I'm like, not yet. <laughs> Let me ignore my work and start writing. So I, I don't even remember how it ended or if it even did end. But that you was don't like have that, do you, by chance? Probably not. I don't, if I ever find it, I'll let you know. I don't know, dude. I've seen pictures of your office. You might. Have <laughs> <it>. <laughs> well, if I do have it, it'd be like I'd have to have an excavation uh, to find it. So yeah, uh, Johnny mountains of boxes. The first thing you wrote. Well, I don't Born. remember finishing anything until the Bialy Pimps. Actually, um, My Little Pony Clopfic. <laughs> well, I remember. <laughs> I remember working on a lot of stuff. And I remember, I know I wrote a few, sh a few short stories because, you know, at the time back in the, the olden days, when I first wrote that you needed to write short stories to pay your dues because that was how you got attention. You could publish them in like literary journals where some grad student would be the gatekeeper and be like, you're not literary enough for us. Um, but I didn't, I didn't finish any books, but yet I was always writing. So I'm kind of wondering what happened there, right? Because I don't remember any finished works. I don't remember really the plot of anything, but I know that I was always right. I think it's because I was doing a lot of kind of nonfiction writing. Like I wrote a, I wrote a column for my um, school newspaper that was just kind of like funny and stupid. And I did a lot of stuff like that. Um, but I, so I did stuff that was creative, but not fiction. And I did some fiction that kind of never went anywhere. Do you ever, do you ever wonder what would have happened? I mean, a of course, you, I imagine you've wondered this, but like, what would have happened if we never did? Yeah, Dave and I never did Yesterday's Gone, or we never stopped on the the Johnny Show for that one interview, that fateful interview, which which led to the podcast. Do you think you would have ended up in indie publishing anyway because you had always wanted to write, and now there is this movement, and 
someone in one of your circles, like it, you would have found your way to indie publishing anyway, or was that just the right lightning strike at the right exact time? I think I'm good at following up on um, uh, interesting leads, right? So, but that means that there needs to be a lead. So, you know, there's there's something right now that I'm real interested in that wouldn't I wouldn't become interested in if somebody that we know hadn't just said the right thing at the right time, you know? And it's just like, you know, you get into rabbit holes with that sort of thing. And I think that indie publishing would have worked that way. So, for instance, if I would have met any successful indie author just at a party or something and they started talking, I think it would have stoked my mind in the same way that our discussion stoked my, my, my brain. But without that, it's hard to imagine that I would have pursued it because I had kind of like set that aside and was doing my other thing. And it would, it's hard to imagine me proactively saying, I'm going to go back and try and figure out how to write again. I would have had to hear something specifically with like enthusiasm, not just like indie publishing as a thing, but like, wow, look at the cool stuff that I'm doing. Oh, that makes sense. And probably in that first conversation, I mean, I don't remember. It's been many, many years, but I know me. <laughs> I was probably pretty I, probably pretty excited about well, it. Yes. I mean, of course. I was actually looking for it the other day, but you know, I can't figure out how to synchronize my music from iTunes to my phone. <laughs> for some reason, it just syncs some things. It just it's real selective. And then I'm like, wait a minute, where are those like 10 albums that I know I have? Okay. And so that's I know one of I, Dave's biggest fears, actually. Oh, that's that right. I, when I, iTunes attacks, <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, but I, I know I have that recording is the reason that I'm asking. Like, I know I had it on a playlist and stuff and I, I remember it and I, I, I wanted to listen to it again because yeah, you were like, you made it sound really good. You were like, Oh, we got the funnel. And you know, in true, I didn't know Sean Platt that well yet. <laughs> He's good at making things sound. Good. Oh yeah, it sounded it sounded like there were no problems. It was just easy fucking money. Super easy, barely any right. And then I read that. Um, and then I read that John Locke book, which was full of exclamation points. Okay, it was like you could do it in indie publishing! Exclamation point! It's really cool! Indie exclamation point! And so I know I got really excited at that point, and I went down the research rabbit hole that I'm sort of known for, and then and then the podcast and all that. But but yeah, I mean, it was your enthusiasm originally that kind of reminded me of it. How about you, Dave? Do, do you think that you would have found indie publishing anyway? Um, yes. Just just because you're, I mean, you're always like reading things like, I remember back in the day you were reading like Chuck Wendig and just other people who were um, yeah. in yeah, that I, space anyway. I would have done it. I don't know if I would have ever finished your book. I joke about that. Well, that's what uh, I was going to sure. say. It w- you found it. You would have found it. <laughs> would you have done anything with it or just kind of like said, there it I, is? I'm pretty sure I would have eventually done it uh, because I, I did have a lot a lot more confidence in my writing from having worked at the newspaper and I had to finish shit all the time. So, and Dave did have a little more like like drive back then too. He he put up his blog, he posted every day, like he just he, he did. I mean, Dave did have like a I'm gonna get shit done online. Fire, yeah, and I used to I do a comic like fucking at least three, sometimes five or seven days a week. But I did it regularly for like eight or nine years. Yeah, no, I think the trajectory with Dave is, is kind of interesting. When when I met him, I thought Dave was kind of like a hustler. Because, <laughs> no, it's, it's, no it, I was, he was reading Hustler. hustler. Oh, <laughs> damn, same joke. <laughs> yeah, it just, it, it took a long time because, you know, like, I mean, we did a lot of work together and I'd say, hey, we got this gig and can you put this up? And, like he he was always willing to work hard and so after after a point like what happened is i kind of started taking care of dave and then he just kind of like 
was like, well, this is awesome. <laughs> and then he got super used to it. And then I just never had. The it was like back. feeding a stray dog and it loses its ability to. <laughs> it, was very, itself. it was very much like that. This, this year has not been like that. Dave's been great this year. Dave's been highly productive and <clears throat> his old great storytelling self. But yeah, I think there was, there was a stretch there where I was just taking care of Dave. And um, it's like um, taking care of business only, I don't know, Dave. or more yeah. depressing. If, you know, if I didn't have a family, I would have wound up living in your basement or something. Yes, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's the case. <laughs> and then I you'd, for, you'd, for, you'd forget for weeks at a time that he was there too. Um, I, I would just go down for the feedings. I mean, I'd need to put a dumb waiter. In. It'd be like that scene at the beginning of the Goonies. I mean, an where actual they, dumb waiter where they feed sloth. <laughs> David be chained to the wall. <laughs> I can see Dave is like playing sloth in a movie. That'd you just come down to change the fountain machine syrup. Yeah. When I'm really, really rich, I'm going to do a shot for shot remake of um, Goonies just because Dave hates it. And I'm going to make him sloth. What about you, I mean, Sean? What about your um, first work? Um, my very first work um, is... Well, there's, there's a few things. Um, in in school, when I was really, really little, I remember writing stuff. And then I just stopped caring for a long time. And I remember um, I wrote something my junior year shortly before, um, shortly before I dropped out of school. And I didn't know this was a big thing. Like, I didn't actually know any of this until years afterwards. But um, my guidance counselor and my English teacher were friends, good friends. And they had a, I don't know if it was a falling out or they definitely had a fight about my leaving the school, though. Um, really? And, I wasn't that important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my... They had a Sean Platt lockdown drill. Hold on. Yeah. The, the, the day after... Um, the day after... Uh, I, I left. Miss, well, I won't use her name. My English teacher came back to um, to my uh, to the flower shop where I was working, and she's like, "Are you sure about this? Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure?" And um, I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm happy. I'm done. I'm gone." And like, I thought it was weird that that she was like that she cared at all because I saw myself as a really shitty student, and I didn't think I was a good writer or anything. But well, you I were sleeping with her, weren't you? Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> uh, but I, I found a lot of notes that she had written on this page that I wrote later. Uh, I dug up, and and they were very, very complimentary of uh, how much talent she thought I had. And um, and I was she talking heard, about your nose? Yes. Okay. And I heard something that she said to my guidance counselor later that was told to me secondhand. That was part of this argument. That was very, um, very complimentary of me, and very. Um, like, what the fuck were you thinking handling the situation that way to the guidance counselor? Um, so I know that there was that piece. And I remember what the piece was about, but I don't remember anything about the piece itself other than um, it, it was about the passing of time, which is one of my things. Like, even now, um, it's something that Johnny and I very much share thematically in a lot of our writing is the passing of time. So I remember that was the prompt, right, about the passing of time. And I probably, for a high schooler, kind of wrote the fuck out of that. Um so that was like the first significant piece of writing that I remember uh, having any impact. Uh, and that would have been junior year of high school. <clears throat> and the next piece was about maybe 10 years later. And I wrote something to my dad when I was pissed at him. 
And hey, there's another theme. <laughs> it is a theme. Um, and uh, he totally ignored that. And like his whole response to me after I wrote it was, I hope I never have to read a letter like that again. Spoiler <laughs> alert, like 13 years he did. <laughs> um, and then I didn't write anything else. The, the thing that I always wrote, and this is the thing where like Johnny and Dave will both start rolling their eyes at me along with a lot of people who are listening, but whatever. Uh, when I first moved in with Cindy, um, I would write her all the time. And I would, even though we lived together, I would go mail them so that she could get mail at the house. And they were sweet love letters. And so she was the first person who was like really talking me into writing and saying, you should write, you should write. And I would say, I'm not a good writer. And she would tell me I'm a great writer. And I would say, well, uh, of course, I'm telling you that I love you. That doesn't... (laughs) Like, how good would I have to be, really? So, I just, I didn't take any... You should have told her how to load a dishwasher. Yeah. That would have been a true t- testament of your writing skills. I, I could have written essays about how to win the marriage or the relationship yeah. at that time. Um, but then uh, she bought me that MacBook for my 30th birthday and really encouraged me to write. And then the first thing that I really wrote where I'm like, okay, this is this is good. I could go somewhere with this is um, the the children's stuff that ended up being... Vocabulary too rich for children. And after that, the first thing I wrote um, of significance, which I was talking to, to Bonnie about yesterday, coincidentally, um, I'm actually not going to say the name of it because it needs to be unpublished. <laughs> so, um, but but you both know the name of it. Yeah. It started out as uh, an experiment, I like that. actually. Uh, yeah, I, I do too. Actually, I, I like it a lot. Um, and I'll, t- I'll tell you what she said about it because you'll probably totally agree with this. It's, and that's why it makes it a relevant conversation talking about our first stuff. So, um, so th- this, this particular book is actually made up of 12 different short stories. And it was the first thing I ever built a list with. So I had my original uh, website, Writer Dad. Um, I'd known Dave for like maybe two months when this project got started. And the, the premise was, I have no idea where this is going. I've never really written fiction, certainly not for an audience before, but in very much my, uh, like that hasn't gone anywhere. I still very much like to figure things out. I like to um, do it live. And so this was that kind of thing. I was just doing it live and I was going to write one every month and then see how they all kind of fit together after a year. And um, so I did, that was the first book. That was actually the first book that um, Dave and I ever put into print (laughs) Um, that's uh, the first thing that I, uh, I, that I helped you with. I mean, you you had helped with available darkness, uh, but there was one of the chapters, uh, November, December, or, or whatever the last month. It was December, remember. yeah, yeah, it was December. That that, that you uh, you you wanted the the ending to punch home a little bit more, and I I forget what I even came up with, but you liked it a lot. So yeah, I no, I, I I yeah, I do remember, and it, it's. It's about synchronicity and kind of like the invisible web between all of us, which is another theme that I revisit all the time. Um, I didn't really know what my themes were back then, but, you know, authors are naked. They show themselves very clearly. I've been told not to anymore, but yeah. (laughs) It's a thing. Um, So uh, this particular book, what I I wanted to do was um, carry it forward. And so, um, you know, like see where these characters are now. The, the the hook of the story was that it was a leap year and that, you know, it, that particular leap year affected everybody in a certain way. 
And so uh, I wanted to carry it four years later and write another story. <clears throat> so I gave it to Bonnie to read. And the idea was, uh, we'll update it a little bit and I'm going to write a sequel. And, um, and, and so we were on the phone talking about it yesterday. And Bonnie basically said, yeah, you can't fix this. You, you just can't fix it. She's like, even a heavy edit, she's like, it, it'll, she's like, your, your writing has just come so far. Not just your, your prose, but your ability to tell a story. And that even a heavy, heavy, heavy edit, um, she's, she said a heavy edit will take you longer than just rewriting it. I know that you could just rewrite the whole thing and it'll be so much better. And she's like, they're really impressive themes there. Like, I really like what you were trying to do and what you were trying to say. I just know who you are as a storyteller and you would hit that totally different now. <laughs> I don't like the idea of rewriting. I like the idea of keeping things as they were. Something well, that... Yes, if you're not trying to resurrect the entire franchise. Well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I was but, trying to build something new out of it and do a light rewrite on what was like a centerpiece. And Bonnie's like, yeah, you can't do that. You either have to expand it out or not. And what we ended up doing, which this is this is fresh, this is brand new, is just scrapping the whole project. And then I got another little project that I'm really excited about that takes the place. And... Um, uh, and it's it's one of those ideas, and I'm sure we all have these. Probably most people listening to this have, have these. It's one of those little ideas that's like a a, a, a fart, and you're like, great idea. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll write that someday, and then three, four, five years later, or whatever. And um, after we close out, um, uh, Johnny, I'll, I'll tell you the idea because you were there when it was born. Um, it's just been dormant for several years, um, and. That's kind of that's kind of fun, but I think that that's probably the case. Like anything that we look back as as our very first thing, it's just not going to be very good. And going forward, our authors, when they join us, that's part of the that's part of the requirement. Where you know they will be writing a book to throw away. I like the idea of eventually, if you redo this story, of publishing the original and the redone version together. With like notes on what you change. Yeah, you change. I, I like that too. I would do that. Just because it's the first book. Yeah, no, I would do that. Be, because what's interesting about that as a first book is it really wasn't a book. It was short stories when I didn't know how to write short stories. Um, woven but they're connected, a, so it is. They, they are connected, <laughs> but put into a book. But I mean, you know you know how I put stories together now, yeah. and you know how I work on characters now, and you know how I approach well, we the We were winging now. it. <laughs> right, yeah. right. This is this is ten years ago. You know, it was this is before Kindle, but not even before that. This is before, like, I, I mean, again, for those of you who don't know, high school dropout never took a writing class. So this is when I was my writing. Um, I didn't take a writing class either. I just hated the ones I took, or I did take them, <laughs> but I just hated them. Did you? Okay, so Johnny, do you feel like you ever got like a, um, a a golden takeaway from those, or were they? Would you say that the writing classes you took were by the at the end of the day were they an addition or a subtraction? They were neutral. So I realize how what an incredibly arrogant thing this is to say, but hey, what, what what's new? It's Johnny. Um, is the reason that I never liked those classes is because they always involved peer collaboration, and I never respected my peers in those classes. <laughs> Now, I suppose there. I mean, I'm I'm sure that I could have ended up in in classes with amazing writers, but I didn't. Right? So, yeah. I right. So feeling. so right. So they did that thing where it's like, okay, so pass it to the person on your right, 
they'll read it, they'll give you comments, and then they would give me comments and I'd go, okay, you're, just, more boobs. you're just a fucking idiot. <laughs> and then the other thing that happens with that peer-to-peer review is that when, um, when you pass something to somebody, there's no allowance for you to be like, yeah, good. They always, you always feel that you need to do something. You're often being graded on it. You'll be graded on your comments that you leave for somebody else. So even if they're, even if it was fine, they'd be like, hold on, what if you did this? Well, no, now you're just saying something to say it. So it was neutral. I don't think it set me back. I don't think it gave me things I had to unlearn, but it also, I don't think helped me at all. What do you think it would be like? Um, I, I don't think our next episode, but the episode after that, we're going to be talking about a really cool adventure in LA and um, a whole project out there. Now that particular project where the the content itself is being it is a critique group right our partner out there is going and saying here's my ideas what do you think of these ideas what do you how do you think you would perform in that kind of environment where these are vetted writers these are really good people who have kind of gotten to a threshold would you still feel like get all the way off my back <laughs> this is my story or would you be like Wow, I, I really want to hear what they have to say because these. Well, are what's really what's smart the setting? Notes. Because what you're describing is basically what our family of authors have right now, right? Well, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm talking about the one that is in LA, the property we have in LA that's being critique grouped. Oh, I'm around. sure that that's very different. Yeah, it's it's that you know, I mean, I never took because a lot of people will take a formal like they'll get a degree in literature or something or like an MFA in writing. And no disrespect to anybody who has one, but I've always, those always end up being kind of useless degrees with the people that I've known, because if you're going to get a career, if you're going to have a career in writing, most people don't care if you have an MFA or whatever, you just kind of do it. Or um, there are no jobs other than writer for a lot of those careers. So I didn't take like high level writing courses. They were like intro 101 sorts of things, just because I was filling requirements for school. And I think the people were doing those same things. So it wasn't like they weren't even groups of like people who were dedicated as writers. You know, they, a lot of them were just like freshmen who needed a class. Mm. So, so it's, it's very situation dependent. Freshmen who needed a class is not a good group. Right. So I'm not so arrogant that like in a room of good writers, I would be that way. It's just that they, these were people who didn't really, they didn't write well. They didn't care if they wrote well. And they were informing on my stories and it was just no i mean i I, i've seen you in critique groups like i mean they're not really critique groups but i've seen you in groups of storytellers and you're i mean you listen you care what other people have to say so i'm trying to reconcile what i know about you versus what i've you know well there's also a fine line i think because i think that there's constructive criticism and things that that any writer needs to improve and then i think that there are things that come down to voice and i think a lot of the things that i was hearing about in those other like classes and stuff came down to voice why you know maybe consider the sentence splitting the sentence into well no that's a stupid arbitrary comment (laughs) like i wanted that to sound that way because it was one long run-on sentence in the narrator's head so those sorts of things are just like stupid as opposed to something with like informed writers where you've asked for advice and that's well there's a difference between picking at your sentences and and talking about ways to improve your structure right. or you know I didn't believe this character because new hacks but, on um characterization or I don't believe this motivation is that good enough motivation you know those are the sorts of things that that I'm interested in but I'm always a lot less interested once the story's written so those are sorts of things I want to figure out <laughs> at the beginning yeah. <laughs> right during right. development 
I've so, definitely noticed that. So I had a. If you remember when I first met you, I I I, I wasn't keen on writing with other people. And the, the the reason is is one one of the times when I was in school, one of the people I handed um, one of my stories to was a kid named George. George is a very weird kid, so he was uh, <clears throat> he read my story, and then like a few days later, he's like, "I wrote a story. You want to read it?" I was like, <laughs> oh, <"Uh-oh."> "Okay." <laughs> George already sounds creepy. Yeah. Oh, he was super creepy, uh, and he's like, "You want to read it?" I was like, "All right." So. I read it and it was like a copy of my story. <laughs> and he's like totally fuck with me. He's like, no, it's my idea. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? But before all of that, uh, like I always wrote, tried to write scary stories and stuff. But the, the thing I wrote the longest was actually like in middle school to early high school. I actually like wrote and thought up a fully fledged soap opera in my head. Wow. But like adventurous, like a soap opera I would watch. Uh, and like, I wrote I'll write that I, with you right now, Dave. Right I, now. I, ha- I had spirals, note, spiral notebooks full of like this ongoing story. Do you my still mom, have them? Uh, probably. My mom, <laughs> my mom found it and she made fun of me so bad. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Too bad so. my mom didn't um, find it. <laughs> she would have given you a special treat. You know, Dave, it's interesting because I don't—I actually don't even think that you know this, but um, I wanted to write like Dave Barry too. I don't know if you knew that. That was my thing. No, like my early essays were very, very based on Dave Barry to the point of almost ripping him off. Yeah, I, I, I did sort of like that sort of stuff when I uh, did a column for the newspaper. Like, you know that so. thing that he does where he'll stop in the middle of a sentence, he'll go, and I swear I'm not making this up. Like, I did, yeah. I did that. Like, I borrowed his <laughs> shit just flat out when I was writing for my school newspaper and stuff. Uh, I, well, I mean, I had another question, but I don't know that we have time to get well, to it. No, no, Maybe I, just I like one. that question. Yeah. yeah, so so we'll start with Dave. Dave, how would you say that you're writing? What's the biggest thing that has changed about your writing from your very earliest stuff until your like the latest draft you turned in? Three weeks ago. Or another way to put that would be if you went back and read your first book, how much angrier would you be at yourself <laughs> and hating yourself than you normally are when you reread your work? Oh, my early stuff is very poorly written, very cliche. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, Do you think that everybody's <clears throat> early stuff is like just totally saturated with cliche just by nature? I think that first books no. are terrible. Oh, okay. I, I was going to say the opposite. I, I, yeah, I do think so. Dave, why don't you think early stuff has a lot of cliche in it? Uh, I mean, a lot of people does. I don't think everybody, though. I've I've met people that early in their writing career that are really phenomenal. And These are their shocking. early published things or their early? No, 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 no. They're, they're not even published yet. Just, hmm. yeah. Yeah, I would, I would venture to say that anything that I wrote 10 years ago or before would be just, even if it's not cliche, like the thing that I was talking about that I was talking about with Bonnie yesterday, I don't think there's any, like, it's not cliche um, compared to a lot of stuff, but compared to the way I would write now, still way more cliche. Like, yeah, I do just, think you, you got to work out your inspirations and all that and try not to mimic other things. Uh, I think everybody probably goes to that. To I think it's a think, normal learning phase. You you imitate before you innovate. And you find, you find through the work what you are. Yeah, do you think that imitating is, is... Do you think that imitating is a good thing or a bad thing in the beginning? Oh, I... I, I, I don't... I think it's unavoidable. 
Yeah, I think so, it's a good thing. I think yeah. it's a necessary Me thing. Me too. I think the, the more widely you're read and the more like uh diverse your your the books that you, your your diet basically is, the less likely if you only read one kind of story or one writer, it's gonna sound a lot like that and it's gonna suck. But serious if question. Do you think you should read more than you do? More fiction, yeah. I read yeah. a lot of nonfiction, but I should read more fiction. Yeah, I, I think you should read more fiction. Thanks. Are you are you saying I'm fucking well, limited? No, <laughs> well, no. I'm just saying that, like in the time in the time I've known you, I've known you. You've read a few great fiction books, but yeah. but you should probably have read at least a hundred more books in the time I've known you than you have. Oh my god, <laughs> dude, that's only a few a year. We've known each other a long time. Yeah, I would say that. Um, I would say that I. I actually have a pretty good before and after that's apples to apples. Um, so my first book that's published, I'm actually a little afraid to go back and look at it because I'm afraid that I might hate it. Like I might be like, oh, you've you've learned enough that this older version of you sucks. But the version that I published, um, I rewrote after that first conversation that you and I had, Sean, before I published it. Not rewrote, revised. So I went through a draft that I thought was pretty final and I hacked it again. Like I, I cut it way down <clears throat> and published it. And so I know that that first version versus the version that was published is marked difference. Like it was, it was just verbal diarrhea. It was very self-indulgent. Um, I don't think I realized until like looking back now, just how much me first it was. It wasn't about the story. It was just like me working out my shit. Cause it was, a. Uh, that was a cathartic novel for me too. And um, I ended up cutting out like entire characters and stuff because there was no, it was much more about like, you know how when you have a whole universe of knowledge and you feel the need to use all that knowledge, even if it's oh, not, yeah. it's kind of like that only it was real shit. So like, hold on, I had a cool story about this guy. So let me shoehorn that in, even though it doesn't have anything to do with anything. And I was very in characters heads. Like I over explained everything. So mine has been a, a calling. Like I've been trying to, take what I did and then just simplify it, like distill it down to its purest essence. Uh, The other thing I had was exposition. I did a lot of that shit early on. So yeah, me too. Yeah. My, my answer is really similar to Johnny's actually. And I had a, a, one of the, one of the things I've written this year actually um, is a, it was a a similar project to Johnny's um, his first project, but written at the end of my 10 years instead of the beginning. And um, I feel like the book that I wrote would have had all the problems Johnny's talking about his book having if I had written it a long time ago. It would have been super about me. And this book is about me. Like, let's not, <laughs> let's be clear. But it would have been way more about me than the reader. It would have been way more, uh, it wouldn't have had the right structure. The characters wouldn't have been there. It's like Johnny said, this universe of knowledge, you have all these stories, you want to shove them in there. But I feel like the book I wrote, and I I, have, I don't know this for sure. I have to go over it again. It's just in draft right now. But I feel like the book I wrote as long and, you know, kind of it's not out of control. And it is about the characters and it is about the story and it is about the emotions and 10 years and 10 million or whatever words worth of kind of experience of, of writing and telling stories. I think it's just living there. So I don't think I, I make the same mistakes I would have back then. Yeah, I think that I think that first novels purge you and then you're purged when you write the second one. So it's just there's not as much to like be self-indulgent about. Yeah, exactly. All right. So um, 
Uh, this was a this kind of a cool, spontaneous episode of Story Studio Podcast. I feel that was that was fun. That was interesting. Hopefully, to you guys. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, I don't really have a CTA because this one wasn't planned for us. And um, for you live viewers, stick around. We got another one. Uh, thanks a lot. See you guys. Adios. <laughs>